are listening to the second episode of Superman Forever Radio, and this week we're going to look at Superman's first meeting with Lex Luthor, Superboy's brand new first issue, go a little bit in-depth on Earth-1, and of course, Superman's battle with the KKK. Stay with us as the never-ending battle begins. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Superman Forever Radio. I am still your mild-mannered host, J. David Weeder, and I have just one question for you. What's the point? That's at least how I felt after reading Superman Earth One by J. Michael Straczynski and Shane Davis. What's the point? Where is this going? Why is this book here? Why have I spent 20 bucks plus tax on it? I mean, here's the kind of breakdown. I mean, it's supposed to be a 21st century retelling of Superman's origin, which we literally just had a few months ago with Jeff John's uh, Superman Secret Origin wrapping up. But this is self-contained, one-off graphic novel. Despite what the media would like you to believe that it's the new Superman, it's actually uh, pretty standard. The uh, The weak point for me was Lois and Superman have no spark in this. In fact, Superman feels disconnected from everything. And I didn't find myself really getting into the story. I mean, I remember enjoying it while I was reading it, but it's very pedestrian. It's very, uh, we've seen it all before. And you didn't find yourself cheering for Superman. Really, you found yourself just saying, get on with it. Where Birthright kind of balanced Clark's search to figure out who he is and what he wants to do. This definitely didn't do that. In fact, you're going to find a lot of comparisons. I don't know if anybody has read it. There's a ton of comparisons you could make with this and Superman Birthright. They're very similar stories. Clark in his early 20s trying to figure out who he is and evolving into Superman. Where Birthright had some magic to it. You definitely saw where it went and you got some of that Clark searching the world, but then you got a lot more Superman And the reasoning behind him becoming Superman was a little bit more grounded, a little bit more real. With this, you kind of have him really spending too much time on the search, just trying to figure out who he is. And you don't see him become the Superman we know yet, even at the end of the story. He still seems young, and that's fine if you want a a little bit wet-behind-the-ears Superman. That should be maybe part of the origin story, but there's something missing. And another thing that was good-slash-bad was... You know, Straczynski didn't rely on Lex Luthor as the villain. He invented a new one named Tyrell, or Tyrell. Either way, it sounds a little too close to John Travolta's character from Battlefield Earth. Additionally, you know, on top of being this one-sided villain, and I'll defend that to a little extent because he did come off more like a henchman of a larger villain out there than more a villain in his own right, he still looked like he was on an, from an off-off-Broadway version of Cats. He just didn't do it for me, and really that kind of became a letdown because when it came time to do the action, when it came time for Superman to don the cape and symbol and do the Truth, Justice, American Way thing and fight the villain, it fell really flat. That's kind of true for the entire book it doesn't break any new ground and all the major changes are in the peripheral the destruct the reasoning behind the destruction planet krypton and uh, the backstory that's where most of that happens essentially you still see clark comes to metropolis clark becomes the hero clark puts on the costume or goes to work at the daily planet and develops his secret identity and i'm wondering if this is somebody's first superman story maybe in that context it may be good somebody who really knows the basic gist of Superman but hasn't really read any of the books 
mostly the younger crowd, then this story may be good for them, a good lead-in, a gateway drug, if you will. But I think they're going to be disappointed with what's going on in the book right now because Superman's not in Metropolis. He's walking across the United States. Lex Luthor is the main character of Action Comics, and over in Superman Batman, they're telling retro stories. So I'm wondering if the timing on this, you know, the idea of bringing in new fans, getting them curious about Superman again was really ill-advised with the storylines that are going on. It could have been worse. They could have brought him in during New Krypton. But back on topic, to summarize, Earth One was a, it was a mediocre story. It had good art from Shane Davis, definitely. I liked his designs. It was a little bit different, but not way off the charts. And there was no whimsy to this. There was no fun in it. I don't mind having a good action-packed Superman story. You can go a little bit dark, but there's got to be something fun in the end. Not over-the-top clown fun, but... A sense of wonder, a sense of mythology, a sense of tradition. Because Superman is that first hero. He stands for something, and there's not a person in this planet who doesn't have at least the, the a gist of what Superman's about. So, Earth One, I don't know how to describe it. Uh, another way of uh, DC robbing 20 bucks out of my wallet. Well, at the same time, I gotta say, the book being in hardcover was kind of nice, but the praise on the back kind of uh, gave me expectations that the book just did not live up to. And really, if you're going to reinvent Superman... Do something different with it. Uh, suffice it to say, J. Michael Straczynski did not reinvent the wheel. It's a pretty standard Superman story that, if somebody read the first time, could be good. But for all longtime Superman fans, I would highly recommend just go back and reread Birthright. Or even go over uh, Superman's Secret Origin, which is at least canon. Which also didn't reinvent the wheel, but... It at least answers a few questions. And speaking of questions, Josh, a.k.a. The New Hotness, over on Tumblr, you can find him at www.thenewhotness.tumblr.com, actually submitted this email. Here's a question that always bothers me. If, as, as has been shown in a few different origin stories, the fabric for Superman's uniform came with him from his ship, usually blankets or whatnot, and is supposedly indestructible, how does Martha Kent sew it? Even if you say Clark can cut it with heat vision, I still don't understand how it gets sewn together. With that being said, I thought it was dumb that Jonathan Kent came up with the name and symbol in Earth-1. And actually, the funny thing is, I would have totally agreed with you. Uh, a lot of that came from the Silver Age. Golden Age didn't specify where the costume came from, it just was there. And I always give the Silver Age a special pass, just because Silver Age was just a fun time. It wasn't a lot of thought involved. I mean, Superman had super ventriloquism. But, you know, with the modern age, and especially with Earth-1 supposedly being the modern retelling, you need to be grounded on that. However, much to my surprise, what I learned with the help of my friend Kaylee and my mother-in-law, and also going to the Sewing with Nancy website, and if you don't know what that is, that's a uh, public television show with a lady that is, I don't know if she's actually a stroke victim, but she definitely comes off like a stroke victim. She looks like Mary Jo Buttafuoco, and she teaches about sewing. What I learned about sewing, and this is a completely new education, and maybe going went a little too far for the question, but it's interesting and nonetheless, what a loom does, which Ma Kent specifically mentions that she ran it through the loom after unraveling the fabric, a loom constructs a textile by basically crisscrossing the threads, creating that pattern. So unraveling the blanket, putting it through a loom, still technically possible because this is just zipping in and out and tightening those threads. And here's the key. Sewing actually doesn't puncture the fabric. I thought it did as well. That was my understanding. But what it actually does, it slides between the fibers in the fabric. These tiny, tiny holes in the fabric. So technically, much to my shock and awe, 
this is possible. Ma Kent actually could have sewed the fabric, could have sewed the costume. Doesn't explain the reason why, and it also doesn't explain where the boots came from, or the belt, or why the underwear is outside of his pants. And as far as Pa Kent coming up with the name and symbol of Superman, I totally agree with you, Josh. Um, Naming Superman, uh, the Daily Planet naming him, or even Lois in specific, um, that that made sense, because it's in the name of sensational journalism. You have this strange new being around that flies. So Superman... That's kind of fun. And the symbol being Kryptonian makes more sense to me because who puts an S on their chest for Superman? Who comes up with that name for themselves? And so the name and the symbol coming out of thin air is just ridiculous. And that's something even John Byrne did in Man of Steel that just bugged me and kind of drew, dragged that whole miniseries down for me. You dreamed up a symbol and it just happened to be an S. Come on. Anyway, moving on elsewhere... Zack Snyder actually gave a little bit more information about the new Superman reboot, tentatively titled Superman the Man of Steel, with that is not confirmed. But he did confirm Zod isn't in the new movie, and apparently the internet has no idea what's going on. So speculation has is going to go a completely different direction now, hopefully. And I'm interested to see some of the rumors that come about. And Michael Doherty, who wrote Superman Returns, actually gave us a small glimpse into what could have been with a direct sequel to Superman Returns, which would have featured other Kryptonians coming to Earth and not being directly villains like Zod and Ursa and Nan, but sort of challenging Superman's role on the planet. And apparently it would have been more action-oriented and featured more a little bit more violence. But alas, we will never actually see that. As far as movies we will be seeing, uh, this Tuesday, which is December 9th, uh, Superman Shazam Return of Black Adam will be hitting DVDs, which is actually the DC, DC animated short showcase. Um, it'll have the 20-minute short of Superman Shazam where George Newbern actually returns to the role of Superman and Jerry O'Connell takes on Captain Marvel and James Garner, a.k.a. Rockford, will actually be taking on the Wizard and Shazam. <laughs> I guess I should specify. But it hits this week and it actually includes all the Shorts that have come along so far, The Spectre, Jonah Hex, Green Arrow, and they'll be extended to some extent as well. So even if you have those, they're still worthwhile, worth picking up that DVD. And Secret Origin, the story of DC Comics hits DVDs, DVD shelves, and it actually features a ton of interviews with creators from the past and present. And the cover actually has some rockin' Gary Frank Superman art. And I'll definitely be picking that up, and I don't know that I'll be doing an episode on it this week, but more down the line. And also, speaking of things hitting this week, Superman vs. Muhammad Ali gets reprinted for the first time since it came out in 1978. And you get two, count them, two editions. Both of them hardcover. Um, One edition is actually a more trade paperback size, easier to read, which retails for about $19.99. While the other version is in more the treasury format, the much larger version, and that'll be thirty nine ninety nine. Now, ironically, the cheaper one, the nineteen ninety nine trade paperback size, actually includes additional content, while the larger one is actually more of a facsimile edition. So you get just the story as it originally appeared. And for those that don't know, this story features Superman and Muhammad Ali fighting off an alien invasion. I can't make this stuff up. And that's the that's the latest. Now, I did tease a little bit about Superman's battle with the KKK and 
a lot of the old school fans will know this, but some of the new ones may not. But actually, back in the day, uh, back in the 30s and 40s, the KKK had had a really big rise following World War I. And an activist named Stetson Kennedy actually was able to infiltrate the KKK and learn their secret codes and secret handshakes. And he would actually call up journalists and let them know that to kind of put it out there so that to fight the KKK, to slow them down. He was a member of the Anti-Defamation League. And he also called Robert Maxwell, who was a producer on a little radio show you may know as The Adventures of Superman. That'd be the Bud Collier, Joan Alexander classic. And what they would do is they would take that information and slide it into episodes of the show and put that out on the airwaves where this was going to uh, across the nation to a ton of of kids and turn the uh, KKK into bad guys by making fun of them. And it just infuriated them and slowed down all their plans. Every time they come up with a new secret handshake or secret code, Superman would actually thwart it. So it's actually cool that Superman had this real world effect by thwarting this, you know, hate mongering group. So I just always thought that was an interesting story and something that uh, I like to bring up just for historical context. And it's something great that if you're standing around at a party, drop that bit of knowledge. And continuing back to the old school, I'm actually going to do a couple reviews here. Uh, This week I want to look back to Superman number four, which you may or may not know is the first appearance of Lex Luthor. And uh, Luthor didn't appear the way you would think. He's uh, he's still a mad scientist, most certainly, but he had a full sh- uh, head of red hair, and well, that would later go away, of course. And despite pop- what a lot of people think, uh, Luther was not the first recurring villain. Ultra Humanite, who I actually mentioned earlier, he was, and he actually resembled more the Luther we know, the mad scientist with the bald head. Now, a uh, side note that Superman's first costumed villain was the Archer who would appear in Superman number 13. But with this first story, what you see is uh, Superman meets up with Luther for the first time, who is trying to devastate Metropolis with an earthquake machine. And Luthor challenges Superman to a challenge of a, a duel of brains versus brawn, where you find Luthor using science to replicate some of Superman's powers and Superman just being Superman. And of course, Superman wins and still has to defeat Lex Luthor, who's plaguing Metropolis with the earthquake machine. Now, I actually found my version of the story in one of my oldest trade paperbacks, The Greatest Superman Stories Ever Told, which is a cornerstone to my Superman fandom as in the summer of 1989, which, if anybody remembers, would have been the summer that Batman, the Tim Burton version, came out. I was actually stuck at a lake house for about a month, and the only book I had to read was The Greatest Superman Stories Ever Told. So I read and reread and reread again. And that's where a lot of my Superman education really began and my appreciation for him. And that's just a small side note. But uh, you can actually find this story in that book. Now, this story was actually just the, a victim of that awkward early stages of the Golden Age where they were actually learning how to do this craft because comic books were still fairly new when Action Comics number one hit. Um, it was a mutated form of the strip and... They were still kind of finding their way, and this uh, kind of suffered from a lot of expositional dialogue, and the art was kind of mediocre, even for Schuster. And so overall, you know, I do give an extra S-Shield for historical value, but this is going to get three S-Shields out of five for story, and two S-Shields out of five uh, for the art, 
because unlike last week's uh, Superman number one, this one didn't have the conven- the uh, hindrance of being cut and pasted into comic book form. This was actually written for the book. So I'm not going to cut it any slack. And onward to more current books. And I do want to make a quick note here, folks, since we're only in our second episode. I want to point out that um, when I do the ongoing books, I will actually be only sticking to the core five titles in their annuals. So that's going to be Superman, Action Comics, Supergirl, Superboy, and then Superman Batman. If there's a miniseries or something along the way, I may wait for that to be completed rather than doing issue by issue so I can take it as a whole. Um, with that said, this week Superboy number one actually came out, and uh, I don't know, it's the first outing, and maybe I expected something along on par with that awesome adventure run that just happened from Jeff Johns and Francis Manipool, and the story was really light on this. Um, it featured Superboy versus the Parasite, and most of it was fight, and not a lot of depth. Now, it's always great to see the Phantom Stranger who does a cameo in this, and there was an inspired use of the of Connor's tactile telekinesis, which seems to have been ignored for quite some time. But I just felt like I paid two ninety nine for a prologue, and I actually do think this book's going to start cooking. I think it's going to pick up really quick. But Lemire, Jeff Lemire, the writer, is no Jeff Johns, and Pierre Gallo is no Francis Manipool. Now, I love both of I love Jeff Johns and Francis Manipool in a special way. I just think they're great and I'm loving their Flash run and I loved their adventure run and I was sad to see it change even though I love the Legion. I was and I was really enjoying that. I still wanted to see that I don't know what it was. There was a whimsy and I hate to use that word again, but some of the wonder that that book was doing is gone in this issue and it's a little bit more down to earth, not in a good way. But it's it, it just didn't it left me lacking. Now, I'm still going to pick up issue number two, and I'm still going to continue because I just have this feeling that this book's going to take off, and it may take up to issue number three is my theory. And I'll eat my words if I if it, if number two just rocks it out. But I think this is going to be a slow build into a good book, and I, hopefully a great book. But overall, the story was so light, I'm going to give it two as shields, and the art, which was very angular, um, almost a Lionel Francis U type of look, which I don't like for Connor for some reason, but that's a personal preference, and in my estimation, I'm going to give that two S-Shields out of five as well. So this was a substandard book, but I honestly, honestly believe it's definitely going to kick it up a notch within the next few issues. And that's going to wrap us up for this week. I'm excited. Um, I'm now on iTunes, so be sure and leave a review, and you can always find Superman Forever on Facebook and, and like us, or me. I don't know why I use the Royal Us. And you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Superman, the number four ever. And don't forget uh, the call in line. If you have any uh, ideas that you, that you want to see me talk about, you can leave them here. If you want to contribute to the conversation, I definitely will invite that. I like to hear from you. So you can give us a call and leave us a, leave me a message at 703-95-SUPER, a.k.a. 703-957-8737. And, of course, I'm on Tumblr, and you can visit me at supermanforever.com, where I blog throughout the week. And uh, next week, I'm really excited, so um, I'll be taking a look at Supergirl Annual Number 2, where she meets the Legion. I'm actually going to do a quick uh, overview of Superman vs. Muhammad Ali, 
And we're going to look back on the day Superman died as we reach that 18th anniversary. So if you have any memories of the November 18th, 1992, or Superman number 75, even if you weren't there on that day, anybody who's read it, I definitely want to hear from you by email. You can email me at podcast at supermanforever.com or on the call-in line or on Twitter or leave me a uh, submission on Tumblr as well. You can find that in the lower right-hand corner of supermanforever.com. And I thank you for joining me. I look forward to more episodes as uh, we get a little bit further and further in. I've got some plans to uh, try to get some interviews. And I'm really excited about where this show is going to go. I definitely want to make it good for you. So any ideas, any critiques, uh, go ahead and send them my way by email. I would love to hear from you. And I'm going to wrap this up. So I will see you next week when the never-ending battle continues. (laughs) 